Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. In this season, we've been talking quite a bit about the value of collaborating to produce a piece of communication. And yet probably most of us have seen the horror stories where documents end up in a sea of red ink, or more likely these days, track changes. Those crazy word documents where you can't read a a damn thing. Uh, So how do you collaborate effectively to get the results you need more quickly and create a powerful piece of communication that actually influences. That's what we're here to discover in the sixth episode of season five of the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast, which as you know is called From Ideas to Impact. So as usual, I'm interviewing Davina Stanley from the Clarity First program uh, about these really interesting topics of around communication. So Dav, welcome back and great to have you as usual. Likewise, Richard, great to see you again. So we've been discussing just before the, the you know, just before starting to record um, that we mustn't talk about the weather this time. So um, I'm going to ask you um, something different, which is um, one question I like to ask my clients sometimes when we dive in and I start to understand who they are as a person is um, what were you doing at like 10 years old? Like what was your flavor of weird? Why were you like, everyone's a bit weird as a kid in some dimension, right? Or like they're just into something that nobody, yeah. no other kids aren't into. So I'm just wondering, Dave, what, oh. what were you into when you were 10? I was into Nancy Drew novels. Oh, really? I lived on a oh, farm yeah. and every now, very occasionally I got to go to town and buy a book mm-hmm. and I would just sit down and devour it. And in, when I finished it, I was usually scouring the house to find something else to read. So I would also read Reader's Digest. Mm-hmm. Really? Simply because they were there. Yes. And, you know, I, I was on a farm. I was really isolated. So it was anything I could get my hands on, I would read. And, and, what, was, and what, was, what were you looking for in that, do you think? What was the... I think I was just bored witless, right? Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I loved the freedom of being on a farm. I loved all mm-hmm. of that. Um, and, but, you know, sometimes the weather was really bad. I don't mean to bring back mm-hmm. the weather, but I'm <laughs> particularly particularly wise. thinking about the winter. You know, they say the British are bad inside. about weather. They say the British are bad well, always you know, talking about the weather. Australians, you've, you've got it too. You're able to do that. <laughs> but there, there were times that were memorable. Maybe that's, mm. you know, they stood out. Maybe they yeah. were rare, Richard. That's why I'm remembering yeah. them. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But there were times when it rained an awful lot. So I was certainly inside by the fire and reading. Yeah. And that was the case. Um and well, other thing. What else did I do when I was, you know, ten? I used to build cubby houses when it wasn't raining, out of things like potato bags under trees. Because right? what's quite interesting is when you look at this, is it's trying to say like, well, yeah, a lot of kids might read, but what was it? You know, perhaps it was that voraciousness of trying to read anything that was around, yeah. or whatever it is. But I think it's quite interesting to look for that. Like in my own life, you know, I know that I was, 
I would I would like to build board games, for example. You know, I would like invent my own board games mm. and that kind of stuff. Um, and so, like, if you ask my parents, they'd say, "Oh, yeah, he was really into games of all sorts and like designing them, making them, and reviewing mm. them, making magazines about them and stuff." And I think part of that is was my my kind of strategist brain yes. trying to see how things conceptually fit together and how you can kind of how the system would work and that's something which has actually played through in all my life I'm always looking for the system behind the system I'm always looking Mm -hmm. for um you know the kind of how it all fits together yes Um, Yes. interesting just to look at you know your childhood and if you know if you're listening in just think about well what was your flavor of weird as I like to call it like what was the thing that you did which most of the kids do like you might say I was into sport yeah but not everybody were timing their laps the way you used to time your laps or, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? There's, there's always something yeah. that you do that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see how that actually laid the foundation for what you went on mm-hmm. to do or how you mm-hmm. created value in your own mm-hmm. life. Well, I think, you know, if I sort of think a bit more, because it's, you know, it's a question you've sprung on me. It's not something I know, I've I just, for a long yeah. time and I'm not well, going to tell you how long, Richard, but it's, <laughs> it's quite a while. No, I wasn't expecting the weather at all. Um, but things like, um, I think being very independent was very big part of growing up for me. Mm. And so if, I, if the weather was good, you know, if, if it was fine, mm. I might have just got on my bike and ridden and I, I would ride for hours. Because, mm. you know, I wanted to be fit and just get out and be free and, and explore. Or, you know, when I was a little bit older, I might go to the local tennis courts and play with a friend. But that meant, that involved riding 10 miles, you know. Mm. And my friend would do the same and we'd meet there. So, you know, it's sort of a very different kind of childhood. You know, I think, mm. you know, we used to build things. You know, cubby houses were one thing, but we had the full range of dad's workshop too. So we could, mm. you know, get wooden bits out and make boxes or, or do do whatever we did. Mm. So we yeah. had a lot of freedom actually, a lot of freedom. Yeah. So Interesting, it didn't it? feel yeah. very weird to us, but I think probably the town kids thought we were a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so we, we can perhaps follow that up in another conversation. Let's mm. dive into today. Mm. Um, and let's let's get into this topic about collaboration. Um, yes. So tell me a bit about, you know, why is this topic an important one? Like, how mm-hmm. do you, you know, how, you know, how do you see this show up in your own work? Mm-hmm. I think it's really important because, you know, many, many, many hands make light work is that saying. And I think that the, the same thing is true when you're trying to build a complex story. And so having a number of people in a room with you is, is really powerful. So that sense of collaboration is really powerful. But if you go at it without a, great, a sort of a structure and an agreed approach, then it can take an awful lot of time. It doesn't give you wow. back the same benefits in terms of clarity of thinking, you know, powerful messaging, and also time. You know, when we teach people to collaborate, we're really doing so to encourage them to get a better answer more quickly you know a better message more quickly Mm. and I think the the downside when it's not done effectively you can end up burning a heck of a lot of time having fun together and just chatting well yeah many hands make light work you said but there's also a saying too many cooks spoil the broth right so (laughs) so which one is it right sometimes it can be like that so absolutely um, but but you're right. In, in business, we're often going to need to to build messages with with our mm. team or with others. Mm. So how do you know? So what what are your kind of uh, what are your recommendations mm. for mm. when you want to map that out? To do that, that. 
Mm. So over the, la- the last five sessions, I've mentioned a few times about the importance of getting the messaging on a page and having a really clear and structured way mm. to do that. And so I, I didn't want to repeat that because we've, we've had that sort of message fed in mm. a few times. And I think people will have gathered we've got a really structured way of doing that. So I thought instead, perhaps if we can accept the idea that we want to get our story on a page, as you know, we, we've mm-hmm. agreed on that, how do we actually do that? How do we run a session so that we can get that, re- you know, how can we make light work rather than spoil the broth mm. um and so there's three suggestions that i was going to bring forward one of those is bring notes to stop the discussion wandering off topic um secondly is constraint so i've got a b a c and a d how's that bring notes you did in the a just did the a constraint i did and i didn't get there so anyway i just decided to stick with b c d <laughs> um so c constraint use constraints to push everyone to think really hard to distill down that powerful message and d dissent encourage participants to say what they really think and I think if you can bring those three things together you can get some really you've got a good recipe there you go for Mm. um, having some really great conversations that are time effective and also really results oriented. Okay sounds good so let's jump in so bring notes so um, um, it's not obvious isn't aren't people going to bring notes I don't know. Um, it it is obvious in a way, and I, I was tempted to make it be prepared, but I thought, no, let's be more specific than that. Um, I find people don't. They very often don't. And I think there's... Yeah, actually, that's speaking. true. <laughs> we, all rock up, we all rock up around a whiteboard and decide to get... Yeah. Going. What are we doing yeah. again? What, what are we, exactly. What are, we here, what are we here for? And look, if you want to have a really open-ended, free-form discussion and you've been explicit about that, then, you know, go your hardest if that's your purpose. But if you want to have a session to bring out the messaging and really tie some ideas together, maybe, you know, give an update on your progress on a project or perhaps... Uh, share the answer for some analysis or a big problem solving project mm. you're going to do you perhaps need to cater to the broadly two types of people that I see operating in these environments one is for those who like to think out loud they're not going to bring notes because they want to do it live and collaborate together mm. so I'd encourage them to have the discipline to bring notes and if necessary, perhaps bounce ideas around with someone else who's going to be in the room first. Yeah. So if you, if you are somebody who likes to think out loud, go your hardest, but don't do it with half a dozen people in the room. You know, let's be really time aware and mm-hmm. just pick one person and, you know, pick someone else who likes to work that way and, and bounce yeah. ideas off each other. So you can, you know, bring one page between the two of you. That's fine. Uh, and I think an interesting uh, idea here, it's, I find it's quite useful is to actually explicitly tell people that they're going to have, you know, two minutes at the start to kind of share share their notes, right? Share their thinking, share their suggested outline, because mm-hmm. that means that means everyone suddenly knows. Oh, heck! In minute number three of this meeting, I'm going to be asked to say what I think, rather than people coming and you know, as I would probably do to be honest, like come and just make it up as I go along because <laughs> I, uh, I'm an expert. You like that. I like that. You energy. like that. Yes. Yes. But, Forcing me to go, okay, I need to have like done that brainstorming, as you said, with somebody else beforehand mm-hmm. or with my mm-hmm. with myself, but mm-hmm. at least I've kind of got that ahead of time. So exactly. I think that, that might actually help just telling people what's going to happen in the first phase just kind of means that they're not going to rock up with their kind of hands in their pockets. and Yeah, know, and honestly, a step thought. behind in a way. Mm. 
So I think there's that. But then for the other kinds of people who perhaps are a bit more reluctant to share their thinking until they've really thought something through, the people who like a bit of time to reflect and are less likely to be, you know, to enjoy being caught on the fly, I think it's also a really good reminder to them to actually come with something to say. And I think, you know, to actually tell everyone, like you said, that they're going to need to share the, the the, those notes at the very beginning, mm. I think is is a really powerful way to do that. It'll, and they'll naturally want to prepare then anyway, because otherwise they won't want to share. So I think by the idea of bringing notes helps everybody, because it means that everybody has done a bit of preparation, and then they're ready to contribute either to be more formed in their thinking for those who like to think on the fly, talk, talk it through, mm. and perhaps be working on the fly a bit more, or for those who are a bit more reluctant, and like to think first, it will have got them ready. So they've got sure. ready to contribute and they don't miss out okay. on putting, you know, their, their contribution forward. So I'm going to constrain you now by ending that particular yep. discussion, moving Perfect. on to the next one, which always happens to be constraints. So tell us about it constraints. It does. Beautiful. And my very first constraint, I've got three to think about here, time, structure, and also substance. So um, time, you've already given an idea, you know, Bring it, get everyone to bring their notes and give them just two minutes to share. And I think that's that sort of thing saying, okay, well, we're going to brainstorm or share our notes and have a really defined set of time, I think is, is really powerful. I can't tell you how often I've had, you know, a 90 minute or two hour coaching session on something really substantive and the, the big idea comes out in the last three minutes. There's something mm-hmm. about a deadline that really pushes it, pushes it yeah. forward. So you know, I can think of just so many coaching mm. sessions where that's happened. So time, definitely be clear about time and set a deadline. Even if you think it's a bit scary and, and too tight, you, you'll get so much further, even if you don't get quite to the end. Nice. Yeah, nice one. So, so um, yeah, so actually even putting a, quite a tight, tight time mm. constraint, even if you need to do another session, it's probably going to make, make you much more productive. Mm, what about structure? So. What about Structure. structure. Yeah. And this is no small thing. I think whenever you're preparing a piece of communication at the simplest level, you want to have one short message and no more than five high level points supporting that. So when you get together in the room, hold to that discipline, really push on it. Because when, if you've got 10 ideas or, you know, you've got, you're just sort of going all over the place, you're not going to drive for clarity and insight and impact. Um, So we have a series of patterns that we use for this. And in, in our book, we have seven. And I think perhaps using one of those as an example to what to give some meat on that might, might help. So I was working on a, a coaching session with a, somebody in a government department that had a really big story. We're talking about how do we, um, how do we make sure we change the way the minister thinks about getting, how they're going to get a billion dollars worth of savings. So it's a really mm. big story in that regard, very high impact story. Yeah. And the, the minister's preferred method was to say, right, give me a short list. I'll pick them, then go do them. Unfortunately, what that meant was that the heads of department were not bought in to the, you know, the, right. the recommendations yeah. and, and yeah. were really reluctant to implement them. So conceptually, that's a very simple thing. We need to change the way we need to be more consultative in the way we get right. our list of initiatives and go ahead. And so the, the team was to saying, okay, well, we need to be more consultative. And I said, that's fine, but 
why I didn't have that backstory. Right. I said, why, 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 why? And, you know, the first part of this close the gap pattern that we're working with required them to put that proposition forward and to really substantiate it. And they just couldn't. It was, but it was just so obvious. And I think when you, when you put a deadline there, people are more likely to get that bit of frustration, which is what happened in this case and say, well, you know, we're just so sick to death of trying to ram home these initiatives that they don't want to deliver on because they don't get why they've got to do them. They're not their idea. It's like, oh, Mm. so do you mean you need to consult so that you're getting buy-in from the senior people so they'll actually implement? Is that why you're saying a consultative Mm. approach is really important? You know, to me, that's, you know, 101 in a way, but they're like, yeah, that's it. It's like, okay, well, let's say that, you know. But if I hadn't pushed and said, no, for this structure to work, you've got to have that. You've got to be able to demonstrate that and just kept asking why, we wouldn't have got there. Mm. It would have just been all fluffy, all all sort of loose and and really, really um, not persuasive, you know. Yeah, well, right, because having a structure means that suddenly you're not, you know, you're only having to work on fitting the boxes of your structure mm. rather than arguing amongst yourselves about what the structure is. And that's why, you know, yes. your book's great. I mean, because it provides a really simple um, but powerful frameworks to actually go, okay, where, where do I need to, you know, where, what do I know in my story yet? What don't I know in my story? And work on those bits rather than kind of thinking, how, how do I do a story again? And, you know, does that one work? And making it up as you go along. We know and that debating. Structure, yeah. And, debating and, that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you actually can... Otherwise, it's like you have this meta-level discussion where you've even trying to talk about, you know, how, you know, it just becomes what yeah, is a story. <laughs> what is a story? Yeah, what is what? Yeah, yeah. what is yeah. language? What is truth? No, we'll we'll get into philosophy. Um, yeah, yeah, you can, but let's not. Yeah. Okay, and then the not last today. one, substance, because I'm just aware yes. this is a big, big point number two, right? With our sub-bullet points, so we've got time, yes. structure, yeah. and what's so substance? substance? What's that as a constraint? Substance, and so that's about pushing for substance. I find a lot of people will have the right topic, be talking about the right topic, but they won't necessarily say what they mean. So one example, very quickly, would be they'll often put down an observation mm-hmm. rather than a reason why something really matters. So, for example, observation might be that the source data is really poor quality. Okay, so isn't it always? Why why does that matter? So what? You know, that's the story, Mm. the question we like to ask. So what? Well, it's um, actually the, the issue is that this model we want to use will get us the best result, even though the data is poor. Mm. Right. So that's the reason why we should, you know, why that matters mm. rather than saying, okay, so we've got poor quality data. Yes. Why do we care about that? You know, yeah. because this model will allow us to get a decent answer, even though the data is poor. So really pushing to get the substance, yeah. not just those general observations out, makes it's, a huge difference. Yeah, it's like a finance team, you know, they might observe that the, you know, revenue is up three points or something in the last quarter, or it's, or actually, or have, we haven't hit target even better, right? And then, um, and, and then the so what is, well, you know, we need to, you know, we need to launch this kind of initiative in this particular market to restore our positioning or blah, 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 right? You get onto the actual yes. business output, of the business decision. Yes. Yes, that's right. So asking why and asking so what 
um, and we use the so what in two ways. Our, our core message is our so what, the thing that really matters, but mm. then we use it also as a question. And I think the, the third thought here around how to have an effective collaboration is about dissent. And that speaks directly to that, I think, to encourage people to say what they really think. I think people often, or unless they're deliberately, explicitly encouraged to say what they think, unless they're a fairly prickly personality, they're very reluctant to push hard, to, to really disagree with people. And so I think it's really important to give them permission and perhaps even to go further than that, to say we, we really require it. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. an obligation if you're to participate actively here to disagree when necessary, to do so appropriately and constructively, not just to say, oh, that's rubbish, but say, you know, I can see what you're saying there, but would this be a better alternative or does that really get to the heart of what we want to say here? And well, if we don't push, we, we don't get those good messages. Well, I've got to say, David, no, I just disagree with this point. I think this. You know, this I, I think I think this point does not help. This is just going to create conflict in teams. <laughs> it I will think this is just going to make <laughs> meetings overrun, destroy your time constraints. You know, I think I think this is. You know, I'm not sure this is really um, very valuable when it comes to collaboration. Well, you're right that there? there's a risk of all of those things. I did see what you did there, <laughs> and I love it because if you don't, you know, if you don't stand up and politely put your put your point of view or ask questions or push. Now I'm in the luxurious position of often being in the position where my job is to ask those questions and to ask the dumb questions and so on. And, um, you know, that sometimes honestly can be really uncomfortable. I had a coaching session this morning, which uh, required me to ask an awful lot of them, which was concerning to me, right. Mm. But I had to ask so many and to push so hard. Um, but at the same time, you know, so long as I think you're courteous about it and frame mm. it mm. politely, then it can be very helpful and very well received. And, you know, if, if I say, look, I'm not sure I agree with you on that, can you explain some more? Or I'm worried about this aspect of what you just said. Can you help me understand? It's still dissent, mm. but you're opening the door for someone to explain themselves. And, you know, very often once people do explain, then you can understand or you can say, ah, oh, well, what about this mm. as an alternative way of thinking about that and frame it, you know, in, in a constructive and positive, give the alternative. And can I just say, if you're in a position of leadership and you're in a position of power, then it's really important to be quite careful on this one because you can yes. say it, but people, you know, and people might not actually believe it. Um, and so there's a couple of things. The first thing is to, as you said, yes. actually, like, really ask people to say, like, well, you know, what's, you know, like almost challenge them. Like, what's your, you know, what's your best... Um, disagreement with this like what's your most powerful argument you know like Mm -hmm. to actually make it like make it so that they're being asked to give counterfactual Mm -hmm. um, ideas Mm -hmm. Uh, and the other one is when they say something which disagrees with your perspective you know like just say thank you first of all (laughs) rather than going well that's totally ridiculous of course it's not the case right and and shoot them down because you've just created this kind of conflict where you've asking for things and then you shoot them down for saying it um in fact you know the best thing is even if you strongly disagree hold that space for a bit and and perhaps say does anybody else agree with that and let, if, if, if the team disagree, they'll probably argue each other down or, you know, I'd be curious, like, what makes you think that rather than immediately just shoot it down? I see it so often. Yes, and then people wonder why, oh, my team, they're not, they're not bringing ideas. They're not, um, 
you know, they're, they're not being innovative, they're not driving, they're not owning, etc. Well, do you see actually what you do? And it's a blind spot. We don't see it very often. Um, we see it in others. And we, if we notice it in ourselves, we put it down to being off that particular day. But if it's a pattern, we won't see it. Correct. No, I agree. I agree with that completely. And um, I think your, your point about leaders holding back is a really powerful one there. And just allowing the conversation to go. So if you think something is, is a really bad idea, then ask a few gentle questions or allow the discussion to just see if it naturally burns itself out so you can yeah. actually allow the discussion because everyone will learn from it. I think people don't say things that are you know inaccurate or unhelpful deliberately mm. normally I think they say it because they don't understand so helping them understand mm. is a much more constructive way to to handle that isn't it and I think sometimes even nominating a person and saying okay Fred mm. today I want to make sure that you you know you disagree with at least one or two things that we say just to mm. have that role and give someone that role right. Or perhaps if somebody's really good at asking those tricky questions and being perhaps a bit prickly, sort of say, look, you know, Mary, I love those questions that you asked. Today, we've got a really challenging topic to discuss. Mm. Can you please, please bring it on? Right. You know, just yeah. name it and, and ask them to, to, to actually take on that role, validate that role for them. Um, right. can be can be really useful. So there we are. Okay. Three things to um, bring notes constrain yourselves and dissent they're my suggestions on on how to really make sure those collaborative sessions are um, timely you know deliver really good results in in a really sensible amount of time perfect well thanks uh, for that um thanks for that i think it's been really interesting right because in this series in this season we've uh, from ideas to impact we've, we've looked at a number of things right we've looked at uh, common traps uh, when communicating, ha- communicating insight versus uh, information, mm-hmm. um, you know, focusing on um, on the document and on structure, and and focusing a bit less on our style of delivery, but more about actually the way that we're delivering and the actual the actual uh, content, the meat of that. Uh, how to think kind of top down. Um, to again focus our message and, and make it drive home. Um, how we actually get the information we need across the different stakeholders in the organization uh, without being kicked out of people's office. And then actually how we collaborate together with the team to make sure that everybody you know, brings what they need to make the message as great as possible. And so I think it's been a great resource, you know, both for individual leaders, you know, but also for them to share with, with their teams just to get this discussion going. It's a really common one in, in, in large organizations, probably small ones as well, but it, it's, it's definitely um, a, a key business skill. So just thank you for sharing some of these uh, ideas uh, with us. No, absolute pleasure. I've loved talking about them with you as always. And thank you for the opportunity to, you know, have communication as a topic on your podcast too. I've really enjoyed preparing them. And so Dav, just to, you know, for the listeners, you know, what are the kind of resources, I know this is your specialist area. So if they're kind of interested in going deeper, mm-hmm. then what should they do? How should they get in touch or, you know, where should they go? Mm-hmm. Or come to um, my website, www.clarityfirstprogram.com, and you'll see there's a, a range of free resources there. I've got four tips for helping you communicate complex ideas, and I've got a range of other things there that are free and paid as well. So um, there's quite a number of things you can find quite easily on that site. And there's a free course too, actually, how to communicate with impact. So that's another thing that's there that you might find useful. 
And again, for anybody who's not picked up a copy of your book, I'd recommend that. I've actually sent it myself to a number of my clients uh, over the recent uh, weeks. So what strategy? It's uh, it's uh, it's really easy read, um, as you'd hope. Thank very goodness. Well structured. <laughs> <laughs> very well structured. Um, and... Um, uh, even though it's in, in some ways it's things that I, ha- I had to put into practice a lot when I was in consulting because it's kind of come from that world of you know consulting in many ways mm-hmm. I found that actually just some of the, the twists you put on it and some of the kind of the flesh you put on the bones is has been really helpful for me as well and thinking about how I communicate so that's uh, been another great resource well that's thanks for that. that and we'll we'll touch base in in another season uh hopefully and um and we'll get on to whatever it is we're going to talk about next um to be decided Sounds good. <laughs> okay <laughs> Thanks, Deb. Have a great Thanks so uh, much, Richard. Your time. Bye now. If you've been enjoying this series, you may like some more ideas that will help you communicate with impact, especially if you're dealing with complex material. My free course, How to Communicate with Impact, does just that. In this course, I cover four areas. How to get faster, more useful responses to your communication. Secondly, how your audiences really read your communication. Thirdly, how to communicate the right amount of detail. And finally, how to communicate powerful insights that cut through. So you can access this course by using this link, www.clarityfirstprogram.com forward slash impact dash podcast. I hope you find this useful and look forward to bringing more ideas to you through our upcoming podcasts. Thanks so much and bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.